Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Sorry, I'm trying not to... Oh, yeah, so close. Hope you guys had a great Christmas slash New Year. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Philemon this morning, uh, right before the book of Hebrews. It's one chapter, so it's kind of hard to get. But we'll go through an entire book of the Bible, so you'll be one step closer. I don't want to step on that. Um, anyway, I'm excited to be here this morning. Uh, it's, it's always a blast getting to come up here and talk. Um, you just hand out a microphone and get to talk as long as you want and no one gets to stop you. Um, but it's kind of, whenever you're going, whenever you're asked to speak and, and there's not a series you're going through, it's kind of intimidating because uh, you can talk about anything you want to and it's like, man, what, what is best for you guys? What's best for me? What's something that I think that as a, as a church body we can grow through that is something that needs to be addressed? And uh, it seems like every single time I talk about the Bible to any group of people. It's always about sin. Um, man, these things are, let me pull this back a little bit. Always talking about sin, which is kind of a weird thing to like always focus on, but uh, it's so important and it's, it's such a, a crucial subject because uh, sin is real. Sin exists in all of our lives. And this story is a really cool situation. It's, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible um, of someone facing their sin. And what's really fascinating about it. Uh, what I, I think is really cool about the story of Philemon, it's, it's a letter written by Paul to Philemon about Onesimus. All these names are thrown around. Um, but we, usually when we talk about the New Testament, it seems like the New Testament is uh, all of these kind of nuanced ideas that are really cool but very difficult to grasp. Uh, you think about uh, in the book of Thessalonians when writes, pray without ceasing, you're right, right? And you're like, that's a cool, like that's a really great thing and that's something I want to attain to. Um, and yet I know I will fail at that every day. Every day at some point I will cease in my prayer. And it seems like the New Testament in a lot of ways has these kind of big ideas, these things that we grasp for but are unable to attain. The cool thing about the, the book of Philemon is it's so real. It's a, it's a real story that happened to real people. And so because of that, it's very applicable. And it's, and it's not necessarily these big ideas, but it's something very simple. Um, but what, it, what it's going to deal with is it's going to deal a lot with... Uh, sin in general. And the reason I, I say it's so important and the reason I think it's so applicable to our lives is because for a lot of us, sin has plagued us our entire Christian life. The entire time that you, some, you know, if you are a Christian, from when you first put your faith in Christ till now, sin has been a real thing in your life. It's been something that has come with you this whole way. Uh, and I mean, just to be honest about it, it's one of those things where a lot of times our own inadequacies, the, the things that we realize about ourselves that are wrong, that are bad, that we needed saving from, those are the things that we drove us to Christ, the things that drove us to our faith, knowing, you know, man, I'm selfish and I'm a jerk and I'm greedy and I don't care about other people, you know, all these things that are real about ourselves and that are kind of shameful about ourselves. A lot of those things drove us to our faith and then yet as we continue to serve uh, in our faith, as we continue to seek after Jesus, those things continue to come with us. And in fact, uh, a lot of the people, a lot of people who are not Christians, people who have uh, big problems with Christians, one of the problems they have is because, or is that we talk about sin like it's such a big deal, and yet we sin all the time. Sin has come with us this whole way. It's something that we have always lived with. You know, for some of us, it's 
It's selfishness. For some of us, it's, it's the fact that we don't really care about other people more than we care about ourselves. It's that we know that at the end of the day, we're just looking out for ourselves. For some of us, it's greed. It's that, you know, I, I make my own money. It's not necessarily that I don't want anyone else to have it, but it's that I make my money and it's mine and I don't really like giving it out to other people and out to organizations and things like that. You know, for some of us, it's more severe than that. For some of us, it's, it's lust. That lust has followed us this whole way through our Christian life. For some of us, it's, it's really crippling addiction. That it's just like it, you can't beat it. It seems like it, no matter how hard you try, this sin has come with you your whole Christian faith. And, and so it becomes incredibly frustrating because you turn to Jesus to, run or, or to, to defeat the sin, and yet the sin still exists in your life. And so the big question that, that I have struggled with for so much of my Christian life is, if Jesus really came, if Jesus came and he lived this perfect life and, and he died so that I could be forgiven of my sin and he resurrected so that he could have victory over sin, if sin really has been defeated, then why does sin still exist so prevalent in my life? And this story is fascinating because this story deals with someone who has to face a very similar situation. Someone who has to overcome their own inadequacy, someone who has to face their own sin and move on. And so it's the story, uh, it's primarily about this guy named Onesimus. Um, to kind of give you some, because it's a letter written, you have to have some background context, obviously. So kind of talk about a few characters. One is Paul. Paul wrote this letter. Uh, a lot of you guys are probably familiar with Paul. He's kind of, you know, Christianity's bad boy. He formerly killed Christians, now he's a Christian. Um, you know, just this incredible story of a guy that was, you know, out there on the front lines making sure Christians were dying, and then all of a sudden had this life-changing event where Jesus said, stop doing that and follow me, and he starts doing that. He starts going around all of Europe and Asia preaching this gospel message that Jesus died and resurrected for your sins, so that you can be saved. Uh, and he doesn't talk about it in the way that we talk about it, where this was something that happened a long time ago. He talks about it like this happened a couple years ago, you know? And so, it's this thing, it has this huge effect on the world. People are, are coming to, to the faith of Jesus Christ. Um, he's going to city after city after city, and so these people are starting to hear this message. They're coming together, they're meeting in houses, and they're calling it church. And so he has this huge effect, this huge network over what is, at the time, the known world. Um, and so at some point in doing this, he's, he's in the city, and he's preaching this, this message, and a guy hears it, and this guy believes it, and it changes his life. He's on a business trip or something, so he goes back home. He, told, he tells all of his friends about it, uh, and, and this guy named Philemon hears that message, and, and Philemon comes to, to faith. He comes to believe in Jesus Christ as his salvation and so he's a pretty rich guy. He's, he's a business owner or something. He has a lot of money. And so he says, how can I, you know, use what I have to further uh, the kingdom of God? And so in his house, they start to meet and have church there. Uh, so he's a very big effect in the city of Colossae. And so uh, at some point, he and Paul meet, and he, you know, he's obviously very grateful for what Paul has done in his life. And so they become very close. They write letters back and forth to each other. Um, Paul goes on to be imprisoned, and actually when this letter is written, when he wrote it down, he's in prison in Rome, uh, which is obviously like the capital of the world at the time. At some point along this whole thing, there's this guy named Onesimus, and Onesimus is who this whole letter is about. Onesimus is kind of a dirtbag. He, you know, who knows what he was doing, if it's like gambling debts, or he made some bad investments or what, but basically all of a sudden, he owes Philemon a lot of money. 
Um, he kind of realizes, oh man, I don't know what I did with all of this, and I owe Philemon big time. And it's not like a, you know, it's like a big deal. It's like the, you know, mafia, like we're going to break your legs if you don't pay up. Uh, it's kind of one of those debts, you know, where it, it's, it's going to change his life drastically. And so what Philemon says, he says, you know, I could put you in prison, but that's not going to help either of us. It's going to put you in prison. I'm not going to get my money back. That's not going to help anyone. Um, so what we'll do is we'll do this thing called slavery. Um, that's, that's not funny. Um, the problem is that we have uh, as Americans is that our history of slavery is very, very bad. Um, that term, slavery, we have a very negative connotation for, and that's not the kind of slavery that we're going to be talking about today. Um, that kind of slavery, the Bible calls slave driving, um, which is considered one of the worst sins that could be committed. Uh, it's on par with murdering people you care about and sacrificing your children. Uh, when the Bible talks about it, you know, it lumps it in with those kinds of things. So that's a very serious thing. It's a very... Uh, you don't want to talk about it too much, but Christianity uh, in, in the Bible is very against that. The kind of slavery we're talking about is, is uh, more along the terms of what they call being a bond servant. It's kind of, it's kind of like an employee-employer relationship, but a little different, obviously. Um, but what it is, is basically Philemon uh, is owed a lot of money by Onesimus. So what he says is, he says, okay, well, you can come, you can live uh, with me, you can live in my house, you, uh, we'll feed you, we'll take care of you, and basically you'll just work for me. Uh, and you'll work for me for free, essentially, until you pay all this off. And so uh, it, it's like slavery, but it's a lot different. He's treated like a human. He's treated like a, a person. Um, it's a very common uh, thing they did at this time. And so Onesimus uh, is his servant, essentially. What's funny is Onesimus's name means useful, uh, but based on this letter, he's actually useless, like, he is just the worst servant, like, doesn't care, you know, doesn't do anything he's told to do. It's just awful. Like, just, you know, just the worst servant of all time. The woat. That stands for worst of all time. Um, and so one day on Isthmus, you know, he's, he's tired of it. He's probably always getting in trouble for not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's tired of, of having this debt to this guy that he doesn't care about. You know, it's just this terrible situation for him. And, and so, you know, he made a mistake and what he decides, instead of, you know, being responsible and facing this obligation that, that he has put himself in, facing the, the debt that he's put himself in, he says, you know what, I'm going to run. I'm going to run away. I'm going to go. I, I don't care. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go to Rome, which is roughly a thousand miles away. I'm going to run there, big city, and I'm going to try to hide. Because in this culture, if you were a servant and, and you had this kind of debt, this kind of obligation, and you ran away and you were caught, the penalty was death on a cross. And so, obviously, you don't want to get caught. So he goes to a big city where, where no one, you know, no one, his face will get lost in the sea of faces. Uh, he probably, because Rome is a very expensive place to get to, that kind of distance, um, and because it's a pretty expensive place to live, he probably stole a bunch of things from Philemon, you know, stole as much jewelry as he could, anything that he could get his hands on. And so he books it to Rome. And of course, this is where Paul is imprisoned at the time. And uh, somewhere along the lines, uh, 
Paul and Onesimus meet up. Some people think that Onesimus got put in jail, and that's kind of where they met because Paul was obviously in prison. Paul was awaiting his trial. He was kept appealing. Um, He's basically going to be killed, probably, he thought. Uh, But he's appealing it, appealing it, appealing it, trying to to live as long as possible. Um, Probably Onesimus did not go to jail because that's a pretty serious jail when you're awaiting your death. Uh, So he probably didn't go to jail. What probably happened was, Paul, while in chains, while imprisoned, uh, had a window in his cell and was yelling out the gospel message, yelling that that Jesus died for people's sins and and that they need to turn to him. And Onesimus, walking out one day, uh, heard that message, heard, you know, you were once enslaved by your sin, but Jesus can set you free. And this is a guy who has firsthand experience of what it means to be enslaved. And so that probably probably really hit with him. He probably thought, you know, I I, I was enslaved and now I'm running away and, and, and there's, you know, a way I can face this. There's a way I can, can come to, to grips with what I've done. And so he comes and he talks to Paul and uh, he gets saved. And, and eventually they become very close over probably a very short period of time. They become very close friends. And Onesimus telling Paul about his life says, you know, I, I'm, I was formerly a slave. I'm on the run from this guy named Philemon. And Paul says, I know Philemon. All <laughs> right, small world. Um, he says, I know Philemon. And, like, this situation sucks for Onesimus because you're, like, running away. You're, you know, you think you're in the clear. All of a sudden, you decide you need to, like, face what you've done wrong, and you're busted. You know, like, oh, I know Philemon. Dang it. Um, and so he says you need, you know, if you really believe this, if you really believe that Jesus has forgiven you of your sin and that now you need to face your sin, then you need to go back. You need to go back and you need to ask Philemon for forgiveness. And so he writes in this letter, he hands it to him, and he says, go. And and so uh, Onesimus is in this very unique situation, the situation that we find ourselves, it's not really unique, I guess. It's a situation we find ourselves in where all of a sudden we're in a situation where we can either face our sin, face what we've done wrong, face our debts, face our own inadequacies, or we can continue running. Because Paul can't go with Onesimus. He's in prison. He can't go with him and make sure the message gets delivered. He can't go and make sure that he does the right thing. He just gives him this message and he says, man, you can do whatever you want right now. Are you going to face what you've done or are you going to continue to run? And this is the situation Onesimus is in. And it's a situation that's very similar to us because for a lot of us with our sin, with whatever it is, whether it's selfishness or greed or lust or whatever it is that really is true to you, is really something that's plagued you for all of your Christian life. The thing about it is that we have that option of facing it or running from it. You know, really coming to grips with the fact that that is something we struggle with, that is something that is a part of us and that we need to change Or continuing to run, continuing to act like it doesn't exist, continuing to turn away from it and just saying, you know what, like I'm forgiven, it doesn't matter. And the problem is, is the reason that a lot of us run, the reason that a lot of us choose kind of that easy way out to to avoid it and to not think about it is because we're ashamed of our sin. (laughs) Right? We're ashamed of our inadequacy because we look at ourselves and we see what we've done and we think, man, that's gross. That's disgusting. That's, you know, that's something that Jesus hates. That's something that God hates. It's something that's so terrible. It's something that, you know, obviously no one likes boasting in how terrible of a person they are. You know, no one's like, oh, you know, I hate giving money to poor people, you know. No one does that because it's so shameful. And we find ourselves in that situation that Onismus is where we're handed this thing and it says go. Either run or do what's right. 
We have that internal, tor- internal turmoil in ourselves of deciding what to do. And what's interesting about this story, because it is, this is literally just the letter that was handed to Onesimus, um, because of that, there is no sort of ending to the story, right? How's that for no closure at all? Um, we don't really know what happened. You don't really have, I mean, there's no historical records, really. There's, there's very little that we have to look back to see uh, what actually happened with Onesimus, what his decision actually was. All we know is that this is the letter that was given to him. And, and so it's, it's interesting, but really what, what I think is the most fascinating thing about this story is, is, is who Paul was. Because Paul obviously had a very Im- big impact on both Onesimus and Philemon. He, he is the reason that both of them came to know who Jesus was and, and in fact, is uh, the most influential person in all of Christianity. But what happened was, as he got to know Philemon very well and as he got to know Onesimus very well, is he probably taught a lot of the things that we have elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, and in Romans 6, Romans is considered probably like the, his theological masterpiece. It's one of the uh, most beautiful books in the entire Bible. It's personally my favorite book because it's so uh, real. It's so, man, it just talks about sin. It talks about justification. It talks about all these incredible biblical concepts that are, you know, kind of almost difficult to understand, and it puts them in such a succinct way. What he talks about in Romans 6, it, it, this idea is something surely he was talking to Onesimus about. Because I'm sure Paul kind of had a fear that Onesimus was going to continue running. That, that in his history, he, had a, he was obviously had a history of running away, not dealing with you know, his own debt, dealing with, with what he had done wrong, dealing with his sin. And, and so he writes this thing in Romans 6, and surely he told Onesimus this as well. And you're probably familiar with it. Um, he starts off by saying, you know, should we sin so that God's grace might increase? Uh, basically saying, if God has really forgiven us of our sin, if we're really forgiven, then can we just sin as much as we want? Like, can't we just keep doing whatever we want? And he says, absolutely not, because, because Jesus came and he died and he resurrected. He came and he suffered a death so brutally terrible, so painful, so wicked, so that he could pay our penalty of sin. He resurrected, ooh, voice crack, I'm a little sick, I'm sorry. Um, that hasn't happened to me since early teens. Um, he resurrected to show that he had victory over sin. And so here's the story of what Jesus did, and he says, and similarly, through baptism, we've done the same thing. We were lowered into the grave and taken out of the grave symbolically to prove that Jesus has died for us, that Jesus has cloaked us in his righteousness, And so should we sin so that, you know, because we're forgiven, because we can do whatever we want? Absolutely not, because we're living now in Jesus' righteousness. And and, and hang on with me for a second, because this is such a big concept that if you really grasp, will change the way you view sin, will change the way you view your Christian faith. Because here's what Paul is saying. He's saying when you sin, when you do those things that you're ashamed of, whenever you, know, you're, you look up and you're like, oh man, I've done something terrible. I'm caught in sin right now, like a real David and Bathsheba situation where you kind of come to grips with what's happened and you're looking at yourself and you're ashamed and you're disgusted and you're afraid and you don't want to face God because you know what you've done is wrong. To know that Jesus, or God is looking down at you and he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your shame. He doesn't see your, your greed or your selfishness or your lust or your pride or whatever addiction you have. He looks down and he sees Jesus' righteousness. 
That through baptism, we have been cloaked in Jesus' righteousness so that when we're in sin, God looks down and he doesn't see us in our sin. He sees us covered in the blood of Jesus. That he doesn't look down at us with disgust or with anger or with wrath, but he looks down at us with a love and a compassion to forgive us because of what Jesus had done for us already. It's this incredible concept that changes the way we view sin because it's no longer this thing that we're ashamed of. It's no longer this thing that we're scared of, but it's a repent and move on. It's a, I did wrong, Jesus, forgive me because I did this wrong and move on, try to do better. It's this incredible concept where we're so focused in identifying ourselves by our own inadequacies and God is trying to say, no, I don't look at you through that lens. I look at you through the lens of what Jesus has done for you. And so the problem is, is that we run from our sin because we're ashamed of it. We, we run from our debts. Like Onesimus, we run from, you know, our obligation and our sin and our death. We run trying to seek some sort of freedom elsewhere. But the reality is, is that Jesus has already paid for that freedom. We don't need to run. We need to fight. And, and so... Just like Onesimus, where we have these two options, um, that, that's the way we have to face life. That's the way we have to face everything. What's the greatest part about the story of Onesimus, I know I said there's really no record or we don't really know what happened um, to Onesimus, but what we do know is that, and hopefully you follow this logic, we do have the letter. And so we ha- because we have this letter, uh, I would say it's the strongest piece of evidence that Onesimus did go back. He did ask for forgiveness, and Philemon did forgive him. Because, um, one, if Onesimus just got the letter and ran away, probably we wouldn't have gotten the letter in, into circulation. Uh, or if he did take it back to Philemon, and Philemon looked at it, and he's like, well, too bad going to kill you anyway, you know, he probably would have, like, hid the letter and never let anyone read it. Um, But the letter actually made it into circulation. It uh, was passed around in churches for a while. Eventually, someone decided this needs to be in the Bible, and they published it. Um, The fact that we have the letter is the strongest evidence, the fact that, that you can physically read it right now, is the strongest evidence that Onesimus did go back. He did face what he did wrong, he did ask for forgiveness, and Philemon did forgive him. So it, it becomes this incredible story of Paul, a man who was changed by the righteousness of God and preached the righteousness of God, telling Onesimus, you need to face your sin, you need to face your own inadequacy, and you need to ask for forgiveness. And then Philemon, a man who was changed by uh, Jesus' forgiveness, said, you know what, I've done way worse than you've ever done, and I've been forgiven of it, therefore I need to forgive you too. And it becomes this incredible story of seeing how really the reality of who Jesus is and what he did changes so many things. I mean, it drastically changes three separate lives in this story. The fact that Jesus came and he, he lived and he took on sin and he died and he resurrected so that we can defeat sin. And now you're seeing an example of multiple lives changed by that reality. But the most important thing for us, the most important thing as a church body, as people who are really living in, in real life, who actually struggle with sin, who, you know, to this day have still been plagued by some of the same sins that brought us to Christ in the first place, 
The thing that, that, that we have to change our perspective on, the thing that we have to really focus on, is the fact that our sin is not something that we need to run from. Our sin is something that we need to fight. You may have heard of the term um, fight or flight. It's, it's basically when, you know, uh, some sort of life-threatening event takes place in front of you, you know, and you, you think your life is in danger. Uh, people, think, people have naturally two different reactions, more reactions than that, but realistically two. Um, they're either going to fight, you know, throw your dukes up and get ready to fight, or they're going to run away. Right? If you've ever scared someone before, you know that either it's going to end in two ways. You're going to get punched in the face or the person's going to scream. <laughs> you know, it's kind of that idea. It's, it's fight or flight. And that's kind of how we are with our sin, is fight or flight. We have to choose every single time sin embraces because, because it doesn't come up when we're you know, expecting it. It comes up all of the time when we're not expecting it. And so it's that reaction. Are we going to run away from it? Are we going to act like it doesn't exist? Are we going to turn our backs from it? Or are we going to fight it? Are we going to actively look at our inadequacy, look at what is wrong with us, look at what we are ashamed of, and say, you know what, I'm not a very giving person, so I need to make sure before I do anything else with my money when I get my paycheck that I'm giving it to something. Or or I'm a very selfish person, and so I need to make sure at least once a week I'm waking up early and spending time that I would normally just sleep or something, helping other people, telling other people about who Jesus is. Doing something where we are fighting sin because we know that we are covered in Jesus' righteousness. That sin is nothing we need to be ashamed of, but it's something that we need to fight against because God looks down at us and sees us as so righteous, so perfect because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, um, it's always funny that hearing, like when people think something's in the Bible and it's not really, it's, it always just is a humorous thing. And one of those things that you'll hear very frequently is um, God helps those that help themselves. And, and it's so funny because it's, it couldn't be any less true. Like understand what it's trying to get across but God doesn't help those that help themselves. God helps those that are helpless. And so often in our helplessness, in our shame, in our disgust, we, all we see is our helplessness. We have this idea that I need, to be, I need to help myself before God will help me, and that's not true. It's not true that we have to be scared and ashamed in our helplessness. We need to know that God helps the helpless. God's desire is to help the helpless. God's desire is to forgive the people who need to be forgiven. That doctors don't help healthy people, they help the sick. And so it's this idea that we're so scared of sin, we're so ashamed of sin, we don't want anyone to know about it, we don't want to share it with anyone, we don't want to be accountable, we don't want to face it, and and God knows we don't want to ask God for forgiveness because we are so ashamed of it. But God desires for us to ask forgiveness. He, he, he loves us because he sees us as Christ. And through that, he wants to forgive us. Through that, he wants to change us. He wants to make us more righteous. He wants to make us more like Jesus. But we have to make a decision. Just like Onesimus was handed this letter and it was make a decision, Onesimus, what are you going to do? Are you going to live this life that is changed by the gospel? Are you going to continue to run in fear and shame? Every single day we have that same option. Are we going to face our weaknesses? Are we going to face 
the things that we know that are terrible about ourselves, knowing that Jesus looks at us as holy, as righteous, as perfect? Or are we going to run? Are we going to be scared and cower and live in shame? So that's my hope for you guys, that that every day, every part of your life, you can look through that and say, how can I fight sin? How can I empower, be empowered by Christ? How can I use the power of who Jesus is and what he has done to see myself as righteous, to see myself as holy, to ask for forgiveness, to move on, and to fight my sin? Let's pray.